I don't know if you know Glenda Wilkins or not. You may, may but I mean, you will after today. Glenda is a friend of our house. Um, she and her husband, Larry, just have a heart for our city and a heart for helping people. They both, um, they pastor Growing Family House Church. And we, we ran into each other. I mean, we, we see each other all the time because you're working right downtown now. But um, in the coffee shop about a month or so ago, and I was just like, man, i got to get you to our church. You've got to come preach at our church. And so today is the day. It worked out, and she said yes. She said yes to coming to preach to y'all because she heard what a great church you were, what a great hungry crowd you were. And so she's got, man, she's got fire from the Lord. So how do we welcome people when they come? This is Glenda Wilkins, Glenda Wilkins from Growing Family House Church. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I just love any opportunity to just come and share God's heart, his word, and just be with people who um, love him. And so it's good to be here today. I am just, like, really excited about um, his goodness and his love and how he just um, overwhelms us with who he is as father, as God. And so I'm going to share with you today just a, a lot that he's been just speaking to my heart and um, truth about his word that I believe is just going to impact your heart, um, ignite hope, and just stir your hearts and your passion for him this morning. Can we pray? Let's go ahead and start. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, that when you look at us, God, your heart explodes with love, joy, and laughter because you just want to spend time with us. And you're excited to be able to have us come, hear you, talk with you, and to be with you. So this morning, God, I just thank you for, for allowing our hearts to open up to that. Open up to you, God, to hear what you're saying, to hear what your spirit is speaking to us, to just allow us to walk in a place of intimacy with you, that our hearts would just desire, desire you in greater measure. So thank you for that this morning, God. We open our hearts wide open, our spirits wide open, and we say, yes, God, do it in our hearts. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad you're here. I had a really good time with the first group, and um, I think it'll be really fun again. And um, I want to just start out this morning by, by reading something um, that's super just strong in my heart right now. Um, my sister-in-law, she had shared this a couple weeks ago in church, and it has just been stirring in my heart. So I want to read it to you. It's from the book of Psalm, and it's actually in the Passion Bible, which, um, if you haven't heard of it, is super incredible, and you need to get one. It uh, just changes the wording a little bit to give you the aggressive passion behind what, what the Holy Spirit is saying. So um, you can turn there. You can just listen. I'm going to Psalm 145. And this is a psalm, of course, that David wrote. And David is just, to me, an amazing person. If you've ever heard me speak, I just adore him, his passion, um, his hunger is incredible. What I love about the story of David and his life that he lived before God was that he was in a continual surrender to God. Even when he messed up, even when he knew he was wrong, um, David just lived in a life, actually, that moved beyond what his time and age offered. When David lived, there was no Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit had not been given. Of course, Jesus had not came. And so when he lived his life, he actually lived in a realm that surpassed Old Testament. He experienced God's presence. He experienced the Spirit of God because of the depth of the hunger and the desire that he had for God, which is mind-blowing because if you think about that, like there weren't many people in the Bible in the Old Testament who actually experienced the presence of God in that way. It was actually God who would come down like to Moses and, and he would show his presence. But then there was David who hungered and thirsted for God. And I love what his heart said when he says, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And his hunger is what pushed him, almost kind of like propelled him into this arena of presence, of spiritual manifestation of God's glory, of his goodness, and an understanding of grace and mercy, which wasn't within his time frame. And he stepped to an, into a level of, um, let's just say, a, a dispensation of grace that wasn't actually given to the people at that time, which is incredible. And we today actually live in the time of Holy Spirit. How much more power, how much more manifestation, how much more glory do we have access to today as we surrender our hearts to that? Let's look at this and read it. 145, Book of Psalm. My heart explodes with praise to you. Now and forever, my heart bows in worship to you, my King and my God. Every day I will lift up my praise to your name with praises that will last throughout eternity. Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise, for there is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. Generation after generation will declare more of your greatness and declare more of your glory. Your magnificent splendor and the miracles of your majesty are my constant meditation. Your awe-inspiring acts of power have everyone talking. I'm telling people everywhere about your excellent greatness. Our hearts, they bubble over as we celebrate the fame of your marvelous beauty, bringing bliss to our hearts. We shout with ecstatic joy over your breakthrough for us. You're kind and tenderhearted to those who don't deserve it and very patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. God, everyone sees your goodness for your tender love is blended into everything you do. Everything you have made will praise you, fulfilling its purpose, and all your godly lovers will be found bowing before you. They will tell the world of the lavish splendor of your kingdom and preach about your limitless power. They will demonstrate for all to see your miracles of might and reveal the glorious majesty of your kingdom. You, O oh Lord, who reigns over your never-ending kingdom through all the ages of time and eternity, you are faithful to fulfill every promise you've made. You manifest yourself as kindness in all you do. Weak and feeble ones, you will sustain. Those bent over with the burdens of shame, you will lift up. You have captured our attention, and the eyes of all look to you. You give what they hunger for at just the right time. When you open your generous hand, it's full of blessings, satisfying the longings of every living thing. You are fair and righteous in everything you do. Your love is wrapped into all your works. You draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. Every one of your godly lovers receives even more than what they ask for. For you hear what their hearts really long for, and you bring them your saving strength. 
God, you watch carefully over all your lovers like a bodyguard, but you will destroy the ungodly. I will praise you, Lord. Let everyone everywhere join me in praising the beautiful Lord of holiness from now through eternity. Oh, gosh, thinking about that is awesome. The greatness of my God. You know, I think there has to be in our life this place where we come to a reality of knowing who he is. It's not okay to just go to church and not find transformation in his presence. It's not okay to serve in a ministry and not experience his goodness personally. It's not okay to wake up in the morning and and get ready for church and and yell at your kids and get overwhelmed by and then walk into church and be like, oh, Jesus, we love you, right? It's not okay. It's not Christianity. Now, there is no no condemnation in that. If we do that, hey, you know what? Sometimes we all have, have situations. But the truth of the matter is, is that full surrender allows you to look like him. You don't have to try. That's the good news. We don't have to try and strive to be better Christians. We don't have to work towards something that that we will never obtain. The standard has already been set. The standard has already been lived out. His name is Jesus. And the truth of the matter is this, is that you have been called sons and daughters. And you have the exact same potential that Jesus had on this earth. There isn't anything different about the spirit of God that lived in Jesus compared to what you have. It's the same very spirit that rose him from the dead. Like, listen, this is insane. Like, what kind of a God does that? If you think about this, like, he's up in heaven, and he and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're talking about, okay, this is what we're going to do. We need to bring man back. Here's what happened. They decided where their presence went. Think about this. God owns the world, right? He could have done anything he wanted to do with his spirit, He could have found the most majestic mountain. He could have set the most enormous and beautiful and just beyond what words can describe type of mansion up on this mountain where there's rivers streaming around and there's just the beauty of creation. And he could have said, here, on this place, on this mountain, I will put my spirit. But yet his heart says, this is where I want my spirit to live in you. And so he could have picked anywhere. This is the greatness that he sees on the inside of you. This is the potential that he has placed within you. The standard that Christ lived isn't something way out here that's just unobtainable. It's actually within reach. The way that Jesus lived his life is an example of how we are to live ours. And when we look at his life, we truly see a life that's surrendered Sometimes we want to hold back and we want to say, you know what, God, I'll give you this. But yeah, this right here, I got it. I'm good. Right? That happens. But here's what he says. When we give it all, we actually find victory. When we give it all, we find the greatness of freedom. And when we surrender our lives in a way that we're no longer holding on to things, we realize that we see him, his goodness, his glory, his love. One of the greatest revelations that I have personally received in my own life, my own walk, and this journey with God is this, that I must believe what he says about me. But the only way to actually believe that is in one place. It sounds kind of crazy, and I, I'm not against, like, church is awesome, but it doesn't save you. Uh, ministry is awesome, 
but it doesn't save you. It doesn't give you what you're truly born to do. All those things are great, and we should be doing them. But right here in this place is where we find him. And it doesn't always have to look like this. Sometimes we find it as a duty. Um, Maybe it's something that we feel like we need to do. Okay, I'm going to go get in God's presence. But to be here is where we find him. And this is where transformation happens. I could be on my knees before him and talking to him. And when I begin to hear him, when I begin to experience him, this is what starts to happen. A relationship begins to form where I know the God that I serve because I hear him. And I don't just depend on a church or a preacher or someone to tell me about him. It's not like, you know, here's, think about this. If you have a neighbor, you might know what time every morning they go to work. You might know maybe what kind of car they drive, right? You might know when they come home every day after work, they bring home a sweet tea from McDonald's. You might know that they go check their mail every morning at 7 o'clock. You might know things about that. But until you go to that neighbor and knock on the door and say, hey, I'm Glenda. Nice to meet you. You want to do lunch? You want to hang out? come on over sometime, I'll have breakfast for you, and you start to talk to her or him, then that's when you actually get to know your neighbor. It's the same thing with God. You can say, well, I've heard this about God. God is good. He blesses us. He, he wants to provide. He want... But until you know him right here, it doesn't even matter. It's just all what I'm hearing and what I'm hearing and what I'm hearing, and it never actually creates what he were created for, which is relationship. And so until we find this with him, we will never find satisfaction in life. And so he created it for you for that. Why? Because he loves you. He didn't just send his son to the cross to say, okay, now your sins are forgiven. A lot of times that's preached in America. It's your ticket to heaven. It's your opportunity to say, okay, God, here I am. Save me. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to, you know. And we tend to think like, okay, well, it's my ticket to get out of what I don't want to experience. But the reality of the gospel is this is that you were created and born for him, that you would become like him. Sometimes people might say, what? How are you going to be like God? That's making like idol. But no, look at Genesis. What does God say to Adam? Do you remember? He says, let's make man in our image. What does that mean? Like, God, is this actually obtainable? Like, you're saying I can live a life that looks like you? Yeah. And what's really awesome about that is this is that it is what you were born to do. You ever heard that verse where he says, to be rooted and grounded in love? Why does the word say that? Because God is love. And when we look like God, because we've been with him, we look like love. What does love look like? I'll tell you this, it's fierce. It's crazy awesome. It's like your heart pounding with celebration and honor and glory. And when your time with God isn't just a duty, it becomes this thing where you become alive in him and he becomes alive in you and you begin to show your love to him and he begins to show his love to you and all of a sudden you're wrecked by his goodness. And you're like, God, this is who you are. And maybe your eyeballs are just like flush with water because you're just insanely overwhelmed by his love and his presence. Or maybe you're just jumping and you're alive in him and you're singing and you're just singing praises unto him. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Relationship gets crazy and wild. You don't expect or, or make plans. You just go with it. And, you know, for God, he just wants that. He desires that so much. If he could have had his spirit go anywhere in this world and put it in any place, and he said, the one place I wanted is in them. Oh, my gosh. That's ridiculous, guys. Like, that's, like, incredibly good. Like, what? God, 
Seriously? How? But that's his heart for us, that we would understand and, uh, and really experience him. You know, the truth is that people go from church to church a lot of times looking for love, looking to be approved, looking to be accepted. But if you're looking like him, sometimes we say, well, I don't want to go there. There wasn't any love there. I didn't feel like I was loved. But if you were there, then love should have been there. Right? I think sometimes we get it backwards. We don't realize the fullness of spirit of God living in me. And the surrender to that is life-changing. It's not just about saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm saved. No, he says, not only do I bring you salvation, but I bring you freedom. Freedom from ourselves, right? Freedom from the approval of man. Freedom to just be who you know who he says that you are. And you can't ever find that truth until you find yourself like this. It's so critical, guys. Like Christianity has been looked at as something that is not strong. It's, not, it's kind of a weak thing or in, in, it's in different parts of the world. And here, even in America, it's looked at something that's kind of like a crutch. But the reality of it is that's where the power is. But until we find ourselves in relationship with him, we're just kind of going through the motions. Like we're talking to our, looking at our neighbors, seeing what they're doing. Oh, yeah, this is what God does. This is who he is. But the truth is that we never find that, that reality within our hearts. And he's calling us deeper. He's calling us closer. And it's so good. To Jesus, he, look at his life. Like I would encourage you to just look at his life. He lived a life of surrender. He didn't seek the approval of man because he found his identity in Christ. He found who he was in, in the God the Father. And he didn't live in response to the world. He didn't res- live in response to um, what was happening around him. He wasn't the product of life. I mean, guys, he was born in a stable. That's not very cool, right? So he could have had a mindset just like any other man, but he chose to be with his father, and it transformed him to be able to think and see like his father did. I'm going to read something to you. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. There's a couple of different places I want to read, but I just want to share with you. Living the Christian life, a lot of times we talk about the good fight of faith. And we kind of look at that as something that's... um, a battle or uh, something we have to try to win, but he already gave us the victory. So what are we doing then? If you talk about the, the good fight of faith, the good fight of faith is actually your perspective. It's what you see. It's what you believe about God. It's what you believe about yourself. And when you believe truth, truth sets you free. But when you believe a lie, you've actually just kind of linked arms with the enemy, and now you're co-working against what God wants to do in your life. I love the saying, you cannot, have, you cannot afford to have a thought about yourself that God doesn't have about you. If you look in the mirror and you see something and you believe something that's contrary to the word of God, you have just hooked your arm to what the enemy wants to do in your life, and you are negating what Holy Spirit wants in your heart and life. And so sometimes we, we, we bypass, you know, Romans chapter 2, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, right? The renewing of our mind, be ye transformed. 
it's not just like God hears my life and then, okay, I'm going to go through, through life of going to church and doing what I know is right. It's actually a renewing of your mind. It's actually believing and seeing what God sees in every area of your life. Did you know that you cannot possibly love someone until you have received God's love? It is impossible for me to love my husband until I love myself. Why? Because I'm actually going to be, if I do not love myself, I'm critical, I'm frustrated, I see things that are not good, and there's an, an eye, there's a way of looking at things, and when I see myself that way, I see people that way also. So here's what the word says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Okay, what the heck does that mean, right? Here's what he's saying. Your eye, what you see, what you're focused on is everything. And so when you think about that eye right there, it's talking about right perspective. It's talking about seeing things the way that God sees them. It's talking about the light is in you, right? It's in you. But when there's darkness, it's actually pushing out the light. So you have to re realize, what lies am I believing? The enemy is the father of lies. So if you ever wake up in the morning and today you think, oh, man, I'm so not worth it. You can celebrate and say, God, I thank you that I am worthy. The fact that I am hearing this lie right now proves to me that I am so worthy, that I am so valuable, that I was created for purpose. Why? Because the enemy is the father of lies. It's the opposite of what you hear him say. When a, a girl or a woman looks in the mirror and thinks, oh, my gosh, I'm so ugly, I'm so dumb, I'm so this, which happens all the time. What's the truth? The enemy is speaking lies to you. Whatever you hear that is contrary to the word of God causes you to celebrate because then you know the enemy is the father of lies. All he can do is lie to you. So when that lie comes, I would encourage you to rejoice and speak that truth. God, I thank you that I am so full of life, that I have greatness living on the inside of me, that I am so full of purpose, that today, God, my life is surrendered to you because you're my God, you love me, I'm your daughter, and you are so proud of me, and I thank you that I'm going to live this life today, and I'm going to touch people's hearts, and I'm going to share your good news, and I'm going to be the light in this world that you're calling me to be. It's really easy. It's believing truth. Truth sets us free. I don't want us to live lives of misery and call ourselves Christians. I don't want us to see ourselves in a way that's not what God says about us. And so we have to remember that our perspective is everything. That's why he says, change the way that you think. Renew your mind. Let's go to Matthew 16. I'll show you an example of this here. Okay, so this is Jesus talking to Peter. And Jesus is talking about his future death to come. And we're going to start in verse 21. It says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. 
for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Okay, think about this. Like, we think, you know, that's kind of like Jesus. That's, that's a little rough. Okay, Satan. Like, you're going to call him Satan. Here's what he's saying. He's talking about how much of a trap this is. It is so extreme when we believe the lies of the enemy. It is absolutely going to uh, destroy the Christian, the Christian walk that you have when you believe and, and hook yourself up to what the lie of the enemy says. And so Jesus is so, so going to hope about this. He's so, like, serious about that. He's not playing games. He's saying, listen, you are seeing things from merely a, a human point of view. You ever hear that saying, well, I'm only human? We really shouldn't say that because then it kind of excuses our behavior. It excuses what we're doing or what we think we, we could get away with or what we can say. The truth of the matter is that when we live in surrender, our perspective is going to constantly be his. And that's what he wants, that we would walk with him and talk with him and hear his heart and find purpose. When we, when we believe something about God that's not true, it actually blocks what God wants to speak to us, and it blocks um, an, an ability for him to really pour in and, and show us truth and, and give us things that we, we desire and that we want, but we can't get there because we're believing something wrong about him. What I mean by that, so like, you know, a lot of times many of us are born with like a mom or a dad who aren't the best parents, or maybe we're born uh, in a, or raised in a family where there's a lot of um, chaos or just, um, you know, things going on. And so a lot of times we tend to look at our parents and see God through those lens. Does that make sense? So like maybe if our father wasn't the best father, we kind of feel like, okay, well, if he was quick to get angry, I feel like God is quick to get angry. And so we're seeing things through a wrong perspective. And so what I encourage us to do is to do this. Like the most radical and crazy I ever got was when I encountered God in his fierce love. And I'm telling you, like, it will wreck you and change you forever. So being with him and saying, God, show me your love. I've heard about you. I've listened to a lot of preaching, but I want to experience you. I want to hear you. I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I have something with you. It's about building a history with God. It's about building this relationship. And I can tell you this, people will never fail you. People are not the problem. You know, sometimes we say, well, he gets on my nerves or this person that. Well, the truth of the matter is with that, it's your problem. Jesus didn't have problems with people. If we think about that, so, you know, when he's on the cross and he was being crucified, can you imagine if Jesus said, get me down from here, bunch of idiots. I am not doing this anymore. I am so done. Like, it just sounds ridiculous, right? It should sound just as ridiculous when things like that come out of our mouth. Because we were created to be like him. I tell my kids every night, they, um, I have three kids. I have a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old, and they are like the world to me. And I find um, so much pleasure in raising them. I didn't always. But I, I've heard God's voice in that for myself as a mom. And, and the precious opportunity and privilege it is to raise them. Um, I'll tell you a little story about that. There was a time when I felt like the duties of momhood were overwhelming, and I was like, oh, my gosh, all I ever do is wash dishes, wash clothes, clean up, you know, change poopy diapers. 
And I um, had this moment one day when I was in my kitchen. My kids, I homeschooled them. And so we were in the kitchen, and I remember making them sandwiches for lunch one day. And Holy Spirit just touched my heart, and he said this to me. I remember thinking my thoughts actually were, I'm tired, and God, I really just want to be with you. Like it was, it was what my heart was feeling. And I said, God, I don't even want to be making sandwiches. Like I can't have, I feel like I can't make time for you. I can't do this. And he spoke to my heart so strongly in that moment. And he said, Glenda, you're, you're doing exactly what you were created to do. When you make those sandwiches, it's worship unto me. And I was so taken in the moment, and I begin to cry. I'm like a sobbing mess, and my kids are looking at me like, Mom. So I'm just like making these sandwiches, and I realized that when I'm doing what I'm born to do in any season of my life, it's actually worship unto God. It's blessing my children. So now when I fold the laundry, I'm taking that laundry, and I'm, I'm blessing my kids. I'm not overwhelmed, but just taking that and just saying, God, I thank you for a little Ethan or whatever their, your kid's name is, and just start speaking truth and just start declaring that they have greatness on the inside of them, that they have a future full of hope and victory, and that they are going to be a blessing to the world, and that they're going to impact generations. And you just start, start speaking that truth. It's so important for us to do. It's right perspective. A wrong perspective says, I am so sick and tired of this. Your kid's shirt's inside out, and so you yell at them and call them in. Come fix the shirt. I told you not to throw your lawn. You know. It's not condemnation, guys. It's just another standard of what we're born to live. And it, and it is completely possible. In fact, you were born for it. I tell my kids at night that um, two things. I heard Bill Johnson say, share this with uh in a sermon once, and he talked about his own children and how he would say to them when he took them in at night, every night, you were created for the impossible, and you were born to change the world. And that hit my heart so strongly, and the Spirit of God just like, that was just became so real and alive in my heart. And so every night, since I've heard that tape, that message, I, I say that to my kids. In fact, they, they know it, and they are excited to hear it. My 10-year-old jumped on the couch last night before he went upstairs and said, Mom, don't forget, you were. And so I start telling him, you know, you're created for the impossible. And now they finish up, and they say, and I was born to change the world. And I said, yeah, you are. Guys, you were created for the impossible. And you were born to change this world. You were created for the impossible. Like, that is crazy awesome. We limit our life by what we believe. Man, it's so good. But we open the door wide open from heaven when we believe truth, when we believe what he says about us, when we believe who he really is. He is a good father. He cares for you. He cares about every detail of your life. You know what happens to us? We're born in a world, right? And so we have children, and we don't have to teach them things like, hey, uh, you know, kick your sister when she steals your Lego. They just do that, right? If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? You don't have to teach them to lie because they broke your lamp, and now you're, like, wondering why your lamp is broken. You don't have to tell them to, you know, slap their brother across the head because they got mad at something. They just do it. It's a natural way of living because we were born into a sin nature. You have to teach them how not to lie, how to be kind, how to be generous, right? So what happens is it's the same with us. Like, we can't just say, God, I love you, and not let him transform us and teach us 
and change our mind. When we believe and see what he sees, oh my gosh, it's crazy good. I mean, like, make you want to jump and run around this room and get crazy about it because he's that good. So I would encourage you, like, to take the time and be like, God, what are you saying about me? Like, what are you really like and what are you really saying about me? Because I got to know this. It really is life-changing, and he wants that for us. And it's so, so good. So this morning, as we just share and we just talk, my heart is just like crying out, God, fill us with right perspective. My battle is not trying to, to do anything else. My battle is right here. Believing who you are and what you say about me. It is so powerful. It is so, like, life-changing. It's so good. When I was about 16 years old, my very first encounter with God, I had, um, I, I grew up in a home that there was a lot of just different chaos and situation. My mar- parents' marriage wasn't the best. And I remember going outside and leaving the house. There was, like, some yelling and stuff going on. And I went to this huge tree sitting right next outside the door to the side of the house. And I sat at that tree, and I cried, and I said, God, if you're really real. Like, I've heard about you. People talk about you, but if you're really real, then I want to know you. And I remember for the very first time in my life at 16, the embrace of a father coming over me. And it was almost like he took his arms and just like held me and hugged me. And I wept and I wept and I remember saying, God, I'll live for you. I'll give it all. I'm not going to hold back. And that's all he wants. That's all he asks for. But you say, I can't. I've got this going on. I've got this situation. There's so much or you don't understand. No, listen, I'm begging you. He is everything you need. He is the only thing that will ever satisfy your heart. I promise you this. You will never in this history of this world find something to satisfy. It's impossible. Because you were created for him. And everything about you, he knows. You don't have to hide anything. I went with a friend a couple years ago. We went to the beach. And if you know me, like, I do not get in the water because the water is not, I don't know, I don't care for it. I am in the sun, on the sand, and that's where I'm at. And, and I enjoy that much more. But there was a, a trip that we had taken, a friend and I, and I just remember feeling like I'm going to go get in the water. So I went in the water, and we're at the ocean, and I'm, just kind of running into it, and then as I get deeper, the waves are just moving, like, getting kind of crazy and fun, and I was like, this is so fun, and I was calling her. I was like, come on out with me. Come out here, and she's like, what are you doing, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, and so I'm like riding in the waves and just like having fun in there, and I didn't realize what I was missing out, and she's like, oh my gosh, get out of the water. Are you ready to go yet, and then I, I remember just like Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, And it was as if he was saying to me this, life is an adventure. And all you have to do is surrender and ride the waves. And you'll see how much joy is in that and knowing me and going deeper. And I thought, what? And so, like, I'm a wreck in the ocean. I'm, like, bawling my eyes. I'm like, God, you're so amazing. My friend's like, oh, my gosh, what is happening out there? And it was so freeing. I mean, like, I don't even, I didn't even like the ocean. And here I am, like, ah! 
it was so cool. I'm like, God, I want to ride this journey with you. I want to come running and chasing you every morning. I want to give it all. I want to surrender. You know, I'm just like a, a mess. It's so cool. I love it. And it's just like, ah, and he just crashes in on your heart. And I, I know that he wants that for us. It takes right here, guys, surrender. It doesn't mean that you always get on your knees and this is where you have to find yourself. It could be just being in your word. But I want you to remember this also, that you, the word is as alive in you as you become that word. So like when the word becomes alive to you, you start becoming that word. It becomes something that moves within you, and that's what he wants. So even if you read one sentence, it's not about a method of reading book to book or trying to do a certain way. Just if you read something and it becomes alive to you, that's him speaking. If you're sitting on the floor in your living room and you just decide you're going to sit quietly and you're not going to talk, you're just going to sit there and listen, that's being with him. If you're going to listen to a worship song and those words become real and alive to you and you begin to sing them and say them from your heart and it's not just a song anymore, that's worship. When you begin to celebrate and lift your hands and say, God, I don't even know how you could love me, but the truth is that you love me. You come and you touch my heart and you wreck me and you make me look like you. And when I look at myself, I see your spirit and it makes me excited. That's worship. That's being with him. It's relationship. He's calling us deeper. He's calling us to relationship. Church is awesome. Ministry is awesome. But we were made for relationship. And you will be amazed at how much more God does in you and through you from a place of presence. So I just want to leave that there for you guys. That you would find yourself in relationship with him that you would be honest with yourself and say, God, here I am. I'm ready. My heart is yes. And every day when you wake up, say yes. And every night when you go to bed, say yes. It's really fun, guys. You know what's really cool about this, too, is that when you decide to start giving your life over to God, like, it can kind of feel a little rough, like, okay. But the truth of the matter is this. It's like giving a dirty old penny that you found on the street in exchange for this massive, beautiful diamond. You're really not giving up much. You're exchanging misery for joy, confusion for love. You're exchanging all the things that you weren't born for for what you were created for. Let's stand together. I just want you to take the person's hand next to you. And I just want to bless your congregation today and pray over you before I go. I'm so excited that I was able to come join you guys today. And I hope that something today is just speaking to your heart and touching you. You were created for passion. You were created for great things. You were created for the impossible. All you have to do is believe it. He's here right now. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness, God. I thank you, God, that when you looked at this world of people, you chose us and you said, yes, 
I want to create man and I want to create woman and I want to put my spirit in them. What kind of a God is that? So perfect and so pure and so full of love to draw us close to you. God, you don't need us, but you desire us. I pray today over this congregation that the exact same passion and the exact same desire that you have towards us, that we would have towards you. I pray, God, that they would find themselves lavished in your love and overwhelmed by your presence, overwhelmed by your goodness, and finding themselves just wrecked in a mess and, and feeling their heart just like wanting to jump out of their chest and smiling so much that it hurts because they're with you, God, because they're spending time with you, hearing you and knowing you. Make us a people of relationship. Thank you, God, for touching us today. And we celebrate, God, we celebrate your goodness, your love. We celebrate who you are as father, as daddy. Right now, I speak to hearts that are broken from father relationships, and I pray for healing. God, you be that perfect daddy and minister truth to hearts in this room today. Let love cover everything. Your word says that love will cast out all fear. I thank you that people in this room today don't have to fear. They can know, God, that love holds them together. <laughs> You're so good, and we just thank you for that. We thank you for it today, God. Thank you so much that we can say we belong to you, and you belong to us. Amen. Amen.